And now, live from the studios of Freedom's Phoenix, Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Let us make them remember. Welcome back to Declare Your Independence from here in the Stancock here in Phoenix, Arizona. I from the BEA. Uh, beautiful studios of Freedoms and AstronomyPhoenix.com here in Phoenix, Arizona. I and we're going to um, uh, see somebody. Who are we going to go see? We're just going to go visit with Steffi Molyneux from Toronto. Hello. Hello, now, Ernest. I just wanted to let you know that in preparation for the energy of your regular interviews, I'm now my 96th cup of coffee. And I think, hopefully, I should be able to at least hang on to your coattails. 96. That's it. Espressos. Okay. <laughs> What we're going to go ahead and do, this first I want, I want to give out uh, access to his site and all his goodies. Freedomainradio.com, home of true news. Okay, so he has a lot of stuff there. Um, oh, let's see. We got books. We got YouTube. We got podcast And uh, Sunday call-in show. All right, well, let's tell us about your show, man. Well, it's the biggest philosophy show in the world now. Uh, we just uh, over 40 million downloads. Um, I'm going to a bunch of conferences this summer, Libertarian Party of Texas, June 9th, uh, Libertarian Conference, Moving Ideas, June 11th in Sao Paulo, Brazil, Porcupine Freedom Festival. I hope you'll be there. Freedom Fest in Las Vegas, July 11th to 14th, Capitalism and Morality, Vancouver, July 28th, Libertopia, I'll be hosting uh, 11th to 14th, and um, Toronto Liberty Festival, November 3rd. There'll be a Liberty Cruise as well. You can find this information on my website. So I'm doing a summer Philosopher Raptor tour uh, and uh, going hopefully to talk to a whole bunch of people and really looking forward to that. And I'm sure we'll be crossing paths, if not swords, at some point along the way. Yeah, there's a couple a couple of those we're going to be at. We'll have some fun. You know, this has been a... Um you know, this is, yeah, I tell you what, this, this is going to be a conversation similar to what uh, happened at uh, Libertopia. You know, my thing was is that, look, there's no central plan for freedom. Everybody do their own thing. And the, the ability to make use of Dr. Paul's efforts to free minds and so on, you know, and it's, it's all good as long as we understand what the real goal is. And it, I think it's a mistake. A lot of times people, they, they don't have, they don't dream enough. They're not looking far enough ahead. And they think that if we could just take over the Republican Party in our local state, county, city, whatever, the something, then all would be well and, and we're in charge. We got the ring now. I'm like, okay. If you think that's the solution, man, you got some other issues. Well, that's where Stephen Molyneux from Toronto comes in. You know, he just says, hey, you know, um, 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 can we get on this, get off this government crutch thing? I mean, seriously. So I am definitely in that camp. The thing is, though, is that I'm not going to limit myself to what you know arrows I'm going to use. But I, there is, we're at a very 
precarious point right now. By having all of a sudden, I'm talking to all these people this weekend. I said, you just watch the news this week. They can I go, well, this is what I told them. I kind of hedged my bet. And I said, within three weeks, it will become common knowledge that Ron Paul is winning the delegate count going into, uh, certainly, you know, it's a uh, concern enough with them that Romney sure as heck did not got a, you know, uh, lockdown on this thing going into the national convention. And they're going to be doing and saying everything they can to give you the impression that he's it, it's done, it's over, and Dr. Paul just being crazy. And I said, that is not the case. And when that starts coming out, it's going to be, ooh, it's going to be everybody against and versus, and it's going to get interesting. But what is the real sickness? The sickness is just just clamoring for the ring. You know, I'm going, well, you stop. You know, if you, I'm up here saying there shouldn't be a ring, you know, I'm, I'm hip to that, and that's where Stefan comes in. So some of these things that you're talking about, like Freedom Fest in Vegas and so on, these guys, they're, you know, they're the older, older crowd, a little more traditional, a little more Republican, a little more Christian, a little more, you know, that side. And Stefan comes up and says his thing. Um, I don't know. How are you received in these crowds? With bafflement and bewilderment, I am sort of to mainstream libertarianism as Ron Paul is to the mainstream media. And frankly, for me, I mean, I'm quite astounded at, at how well he's doing. It's it's hard not to develop a passionate love affair with anyone that the mainstream media has a hate on for. So there, there's that tidal wave of attraction towards Dr. Paul, at least for me, because uh, the degree to which he's being ignored because he doesn't fit into the template is fascinating. But yeah, I mean, my, my focus is that... Um, uh, we have this incredible opportunity where the disasters of late empire, the disasters of fascism, the disasters of the increased violence of central planning and control is co-joined with this unbelievable, this unbelievable Gutenberg press called the Internet where information can go direct from educator to consumer without having to go through the statist maze and all of the fog that goes on in the mainstream media. It is absolutely astounding. It is like giving people the chance to read the Bible for themselves and not have it interpreted through the largely Latin-speaking priest. So we have this incredible direct pipe to the people as a whole, and that is something that we've got to grab now because as technology moves forward, the technology of control and monitoring is also going to move forward. I think right now the Internet is not controlled enough uh, for, for us. We can still get our message through. It's not repressed enough. We can still get our message through. But it has to be now, and it has to be hard, and it has to be at least, a, for me, a message of, look, politicians, yes, they are fantastic. Dr. Paul is a great educator about economics and about government and about statism. But there is a role for personal conversations with friends and family about freedom. If people support the war on drugs, they support you being kidnapped, thrown in a cage by guys with guns if you happen to have a piece of vegetation on you that the government or other people finds objectionable. If they support taxation, they support you being thrown in jail if the support of the welfare state does not mesh with your conscience. If you follow your conscience, as, as I, I loathe the welfare state, it's unbelievably destructive to the poor. Uh, if you don't agree with the wars, the foreign wars, and you want to stop funding these 700-plus military bases overseas, if people support taxation, they support you being thrown in jail for following your conscience. I think it's really important to bring that hot potato to people's hands so they understand when they support the state, they're supporting violence against you, a flesh and blood human being with a conscience, a soul, a mind, and a passion, and that is wrong. Bring that to people's attention, and I think that they will really see the reality of that which they support and back away from it. Oh, but if we're in charge, we won't do those bad things because we're in charge. We got the ring. 
Absolutely. And um, uh, actually, not many people know that Tolkien was an anarchist. Uh, he, was an abs- he was an anarchist. And um, it is, I think, a very powerful political metaphor. And if you look at it, so if you look at sort of the, the Lord of the Rings as an analogy for the Second World War, which I think it was, you can see that it didn't really work out that well for the Allies. Look, we fought National Socialism. What do we have now? Socialism run at the national level. It's like, nah, you know, we, we were the Boromirs. The Allies were the Boromirs. So you're saying Tolkien was an anarchist? Uh, yeah, he was. Okay, go, go. I mean, you know, there's levels of anarchy. I mean, let's put it this way. When you criticize just about it, oh, you'd love this. You should listen to this show, man. I did with Mark Potok is the senior editor of the investigative report for the Southern Poverty Law Center. And I kept him on for an hour. That was a, that was a chore in and of itself right there. <laughs> So as we're doing this, you know, it was, I always, and you can expect this. Well, you're just an anarchist. And I'm like, compared to what? You know, I mean, that's my choice. What we got now versus none. I, hell man, my hand's up for none. Okay. So this is, this is the kind of mentality that we're dealing with. So when you say anarchist or Tolkien was an anarchist, man, you got to be more specific. I mean, you know, specifically, was he against all rings? I mean, what, what are you saying when you give that, him that definition? Yes. Sorry. Of course, the word anarchist has been co-opted, co-joined, corrupted and vilified by our contemporary culture. Uh, anarchism, I just had a debate with Dave Nell as well about this, and he said he used to be an anarchist and got this completely wrong. Anarchist does not mean no government. Anarchist simply means no rulers. What it means is, you know, the dream of Jefferson, all men, all women are created equal. Well, this is true, which means none should have violent political power over the other. All it means is no rulers. No rulers. I vote no rulers. And autocracy, they started using that a lot. You know, I was younger and everything, trying to say the same thing. It's all about, you know, um, I get to rule me. More with Stefan Molyneux when we come back. If you enjoy LRN.FM, please contribute to your favorite shows via their websites and become an amplifier at amp.lrn.fm. That's amp.lrn.fm. To be a part of the show, call 602-264-2800. 602-264-2800. And now, Ernest Hancock. about destruction Don't you know that you can count me out Yeah, but when you talk about destruction you can just count me out You know, that's one thing that uh, I, I really was a uh, uh, didn't really understand the role that John Lennon and the Beatles played until I saw the movie U.S. versus John Lennon. Yeah, and yeah. Did you, did you see that one? I did. Stephen? I actually watched it a couple of months ago. It uh, it really blew my mind. When it first came out, it was probably, oh, I don't know, probably 06, I think. And uh, Charles Goyat and I went, and uh, the art theater was the only place that it was playing. 
So we went there to watch it, and I was like, you know, and this this battle's been going on for a long time. And the one thing that I understood from that was his relationship with Yoko Ono is because she's a performance artist. And they did all kinds of weird stuff. You know, uh, war is over if you want it. Uh, they're honeymoon in bed. Uh, their interviews with a sheet over them. You know, all this kind of, it was performance art. It was all about getting the press, getting the attention, changing the culture. And the songs, Imagine and, and uh, Get Peace. I mean, all this stuff was a psyop on his part against the man. Yeah. And the man knew it. And they were like, oh, we need to now, damn. That boy needs to get a bullet somewhere. So this is where you come in. Stefan Molyneux <laughs> from Toronto, which we've done uh, QR codes of your free domain that we made. You remember we did a bunch of vinyl stickers for you and everything. We were putting around high schools and everything and promoting Stefan Molyneux because what's our goal? Promote Stefan Molyneux? <laughs> Heck no, it's to fry young minds, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think free, but yes, fry, maybe fry some of the uh, bad circuitry that's been wired in, absolutely. Well, you know, Lennon, too, there was a great bit in that movie where John Lennon was sort of obviously trying to get U.S. citizenship and going head-to-head against the pro-war movement by Nixon and others. And he basically said, okay, if you're not going to let me into your country, I'm just going to make up a passport to my imaginary country. I can't even remember what it was called. And he had a whole press conference where people said, I'm now a citizen of Miastan, where he said they made up their own passports, which I thought was very funny and very true, because, of course, it's all made up nonsense. I mean, countries are just uh, lines on a map, uh, and they're just made up. Uh, it's a Picasso painting over in the natural forest of the human habitat. Okay, now this is a good point. I want to bring this. I, I talk about this. You're a perfect person to have this conversation with. When I watch the Olympics, and the Olympics are coming, yeah, aren't they going to be in London or something this London year? London this year, that's right. Because, so, so yeah, I, go ahead. Yeah, I don't pay that much attention. But, you know, I, you know, I enjoy when they're on, you know, and if you get the right package and you can do the kind of, you know, they're not showing, you know, uh, the gun sports. But anyway, you know, so you kind of, you know, take what you get. But with the Internet, Heck, they got a camera everywhere on every corner of everything. So that's kind of cool. Hey, he cheated, man. You know, so what happens is I'm going, um, but you have to represent a country. And it, it reminds me of the Eddie Izzard uh, piece. And he's like, uh, we claim this for Britain. They go, oh, you can't claim it. You know, we live here. You know, the, the India. And he, and he goes, uh, yeah, got a flag. I mean, you know, so they, <laughs> it's all about... Uh, having and representing a flag, and, and and I'm going. Can't they have somebody that says, you know what? I'm I joined uh, John Lennon's Mia Stan, and I'm representing them. I'm the fastest runner in Mia Stan. You know, then you see the movie The Dictator. He qualifies for Olympics by shooting his uh, opponents as he's running to the finish line. You know, <laughs> and you know. So my point is, is that there was a guy that they're emphasizing that is a runner. And uh, he's uh, an African from somewhere in Central Africa, and I'm without a country, and I didn't have a country, and I couldn't compete. Now I have a country, so I can, isn't it great that now I represent a flag so I can go and compete in the Olympics? And I'm going, you know what? I would like to see a campaign for the, you know, I don't freaking belong to nobody. I'm in the, you know, the anarchist flag. I got a porcupine. I got a something, and that they are able to compete in the world's, I'm the fastest, bestest, sharpest, you know, most accurate, whatever the heck, and I don't represent any flag. This whole mindset, this psyop of the Olympics is just another, you know, uh, brick in the wall. And I'm just, you know, that would be an interesting project is a sponsor, an athlete that doesn't represent a country. Yeah, look, I mean, sports traditionally has been the training ground for war. 
And that has, oh, I mean, this is well, it's, it's well known in England. They, they used to say that, uh, you know, the, the, the Crimean War was won on the fields of Eton. In other words, that the, um, the sports that the upper classes um, sort of put, uh, partook of were the ways that you train people to, to get into war. And what sports does is it trains you to believe that the team that is accidentally closest to you in geography is the one that you should root for. In other words, your loyalties are geographically based, locally based, and absolute. And so it trains people in a concept that children can understand, like a local soccer team or a local football team or whatever, to, to be blindly loyal to whatever power structure or whatever uh, authority or expertise is closest to you. And to, to scorn and to sneer at those that are furthest away from me. I remember being six years old. I don't know if people are born with skepticism around authority. I remember being six years old and I was living in, in London, England. And there was a team, which was a pretty crappy team, called Crystal Palace, which was actually mostly composed of recent immigrants from Trinidad and Tobago that was supposed to represent my little white ass. Who knows why? But um, I remember there was this West Ham United kid came over and was like, West Ham United, number one. And I was like, but that's just because you live there, man. I mean, if I lived there, I'd be saying the same thing. It's, it's accidental. I don't know what words I used, but that was what I was trying to get across. And so the idea that these mostly privileged rich, rich white kids get to you know, uh, do their sporty sports at the general taxpayer's expense uh, is only paid for because it trains kids in geographical proximity, uh, in blind loyalty to whatever is closest, which then translates to the nation state when you get older. It is all a training ground for war. At least, I guess, we can count Europe as being a little bit more advanced in that they will have ritualistic battles uh, over balls and <laughs> pucks and so on, rather than real battles, say, uh, over the Alsace-Lorraine. So good, you know, that's a step forward. At least we're only kicking heads or, uh, balls around, not heads. But it's preparation. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I see the point that it's, uh, you know, it's us versus them and because in the right color and I got it above my head uh, board in my bedroom uh, or on the ceiling on the wall wearing as they, you know, compete and do and stand on top of the podium and playing my anthem. I mean, you know, I get it. And the thing is, is that if we to compete at that level is what's more important to me. I am like, you know, look, I, I'm I, you want to have an impact on the generation next is you start bypassing all of this programming. I mean, that's why they call it, you know, television, radio programming. <laughs> right. What do you think it was programming? Who's it programming? You know, I, I started to realize, now I know why they call it programming. You know, because we're being programmed. And all of this ritualistic, uh, you know, flag waving, you know, because what's, what is the big thing that they emphasize? All of that, all the years of effort, all of the training, all of that is so you can stand on the top of that podium wrapped in your flag and hearing your anthem. That is the ultimate goal. Oh, yeah, and you get a little medal, okay? You know, it's, it's all flag worship. Got a flag? We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Clear Your Independence of Me, Ernest Hancock and Stephen from Toronto. You know, the one thing we're talking about this, and we'll dwell on this a little bit, because there's a big impact that Stefan Molyneux is having with, uh, you know, Generation Next. And and everybody wanted it. They wanted Generation I've been in, you know, the political sphere for a long time, and 20-something years. And let me tell you what they always say. 
Where are the youth? We need the youth in. How are we going to bring in the youth? Well, I was young. I was you know, in my 20s, and they're already, we need you to join our club. We want you to be here. We'll give you a shiny badge. We'll put you in position of. We'll, 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 we need you and you, and then they start to get to know me, and I don't want to have nothing to do with you. I want to be part of any club that had me as a member kind of thing. You know, so they were, they were like, mm, dang it. You know, well, we'll we get another guy. You know, somebody else. And, and I could see this happening, and all of a sudden, here comes flooding, flooding in all of these young people and they're going um uh well maybe we didn't want them because they're not going to do what we tell them to <laughs> right right we don't need more chiefs or anybody thinks they're their own chief you know they've they been listening to Stephen molino or something man damn so i'm going all right i want to play a clip for you some of you guys have heard this you know this is Stephen hasn't heard it before and i wanted him to you know kind of get it's like two minutes it's eddie izzard he's uh you know kind of uh, he's a comedian that uh, and an actor out of Britain, and he dresses in drag when he does his shows, which is kind of cool. You know, it's kind of funny, and uh, you know, I guess it's an English Benny Hill thing. But what we'll go ahead and do is play this because I want you to kind of get the concept here, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Here we go. We stole countries. That's what you. Do. That's how you build an empire. We stole countries with the cunning use of flags. Yeah. <laughs> Just sail around the world and stick a flag in. I claim India for Britain. Mega, you can't claim us, we live here. <laughs> 500 million of us. Do you have a flag? <laughs> we don't need a bloody flag, it's our country, you bastard. No flag, no country, you can't have one. That's the rules that I've just made up. <laughs> And I'm backing it up with this gun that was lent from the National Rifle Association. <laughs> that was it, you know. And Queen Victoria became Empress of India. She never even fucking went there, you know? She was one of our more frumpy queens. They're all frumpy, aren't they? Because it's a bad idea when cousins marry. <laughs> Bottom of the gene pool, you know, you're just scraping the bowel there. We've got I haven't got enough for any more you royals there, sorry. <laughs> First rule of genetics, spread the genes apart, you know. But the royals are just obsessed with it. Are you a royal family, are you a royal member? Well, then you can marry me because you're the same gene pool and our IQs will go down the toilet. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no you know, crazy royals. There's all kind of, hello, hello, what do you do? You're a plumber. What on earth is that? <laughs> so, yeah. And the Second World War, after the Second World War, that's when all the empires sort of dissolved. And uh, we didn't, we came first in the Second World War, but we, you know, we were financially fucked by the end of the Second World War. Because there was a period of time, it was just us and the Nazis. And, and they'd been making weapons for ages. They had a head start. We were going, get the tanks out, get the, we haven't got any tanks, get that ice cream down out there. Get Man, that kind of goes on, the, you know, the same, 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 same kind of mentality. But, you know, I, I, I can just imagine Stefan Molyneux, um, you know, when I watch this. And I'm, I'm looking... For, what do you what do you think? You know this whole concept of got a flag. I mean, isn't that what we're in right now? It's exactly what you're describing. Yeah, I mean, and, and what's accurate about and there's a lot of truth in comedy. What's accurate about that is it's it's a bunch of rhetoric first. What they first give you is the rhetoric, and then if you show skepticism about the rhetoric, then you get the gun to the neck and he's right about that he says like oh we've got a flag and if people don't say oh, okay well okay if you've got a flag you can have our entire country because of course that makes sense um they, if you're skeptical about that then then he says and it's backed up by this gun and that's entirely true if you believe the propaganda 
then you're left in peace. So everyone who says to me, when I say statism is violence, taxation is theft, when they say to me, no, it's not, all I know is that they're wrapped in the flag and can't see the gun. And that, that's the key thing. That's where I know where they are in terms of their enlightenment or philosophical development or basic understanding of the reality of political power. And that is a very important indicator for me. It means that you have to kind of go a little slowly if you want to unwrap that cocoon for them. You have to kind of go slowly. Don't startle them. You're introducing a flashlight to a caveman. You know, you don't want him to think it's some evil god and club you over the head with it. So uh, that is a really, really good and important question. Do they understand that political power is force or are they still lost in the land of programmed propaganda? And I think that's an important consideration to start with when conversing with someone. Well, let's go ahead and talk. You know, I'll let you just rant on, man. I need to know what the solution is. I mean, what, when you're taking your ability to get you know millions of people listen to your message, what's your core message? What are you trying to get people to change? And who are you focusing on? Are you Generation Next? Are you young? Uh, you're just uh, uh, giving examples of how you're raising your children. I mean, what what is your core focus? What are you trying to accomplish? I. Uh- the truth. I mean, I wish it were more complicated than that. Uh, you know, I'm an empiricist. I'm a rationalist. So first principles, uh, non-aggression principle, respect for property rights, and the science, the science of, of human development is absolutely essential. What is the one argument that we always hear when we talk about genuine human freedom is we hear human nature will not accommodate human freedom. We always have people who want to be subjugated. We always have people who want to rule, that that is the basic configuration of human society. And if you try to change it or try to disturb it, it's like throwing a rock into a pond. You'll make some waves, but the pond will just go back to the way it was when all is said and done. The science of human nature is very clear, Ernie, and your wonderful listeners. The science of human nature is very clear. There is no such thing as human nature. What there is is adaptation to environment. 90% of personality is adaptation to the environment. That starts before the child is born in the womb environment, and it isn't particularly strong in the first couple of years of life. If we want human freedom, we need to have better human beings. If we want to have better human beings, human beings who can think, who can reason, who can negotiate, who aren't going to be prone to destructive self-impulses like promiscuity and drugs and smoking and obesity and all these kinds of things, we need to build human beings who are capable of freedom, because right now we're a bunch of broken robots that can't go in a straight line. The way that we do that is we focus on liberating people from destructive relationships and ensuring that as many people as possible are home with their children, do not aggress against their children, do not spank, do not yell, do not threaten, do not ostracize, do not threaten with abandonment, and so on. If we create a secure and strong bond between children and parents, we will raise a generation of children that's scientifically proven to be much smarter, right? IQ shaves, uh, is shaved off by things like spanking. They'll be smart enough to understand what freedom is. They will not have a, a, a hyper-stimulated fight-or-flight mechanism, which means that they're either going to yell at or run away from ideas which alarm them. They'll actually be able to process difficult and challenging ideas without flying off the handle, which is what we see now, or retreating into the blindness of propaganda, which we also see pretty continually. So I focus on personal freedom. If the state is an effect of the family. The state is an effect of the family. If you want to change the way the world works, you change the way that parents and children interact to make it voluntary and to make it peaceful. And out of that flows a peaceful world. Trying to do it the top down through politics is fine for educating people about the abstracts, but it will not change anything where they really live and can have the power to change things. You know, and I, I give you an example of how this is a really good, you know, example of how that manifests itself. 
Here in Arizona, Janet Napolitano, now head of the Gestapo, she was our governor. And her main number one thing she wanted, we needed to have state-sponsored uh, preschool. You know, state-sponsored uh, daycare. state And I'm like, why is this such a big priority for someone that's going to go off and head Department of Homeland? So I'm going, okay, all right. And it's because, you know, eh, you know, eight years or six years of school wasn't enough. Then they had junior high. They had seventh and eighth grade. That's not enough. Well, we need them all at 12th grade. And then we need to have all this financial subsidies for them to go on to secondary education, college, and so on. And we need to, I mean, it's like they didn't get you enough. And then they go, you know, they're coming in. They're a little bit too much freedom. They're doing its mind thing, and we got to get that out. We got kindergarten. Then we got to go with preschool. They got it down to one year old. I mean, it's I, the, the state is like there's some parents out there actually uh, you like raising some uh, autonomous human beings, and we need more robots. So we need to have a state-sponsored robot-making machine, and that's exactly what's going on. But it's breaking free. The internet makes uh, Stefan Molyneux from Toronto available to young minds and jacking up their plan. Well, we need to know what our plan is. We'll talk about it more when we come back. There are those that just want to be left alone and those that just won't leave them alone. Which one are you? The Ernest Hancock Show. with Stefan Molyneux's uh, efforts, and he's having a great impact on a lot of people. And more important than anything is our, our children. You know, I got, man, I'm, I'm going on, I have a, you know, in the womb, I got my fourth grandchild coming. <laughs> I mean, I damn, you know, so I can tell you. You're like a whole I, Mormon village, man. <laughs> village. You know, that's one thing I wanted to talk about. This is a good thing for you and I to discuss. <laughs> is that I'm um, of the opinion that it was never me they really had to worry about. You know, I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. you think it, it's not me. It's my children. It's my kids. It's their kids because, like you say, we tr trained, raised, brought up, whatever you want to call it, our children with the mindset that they were autonomous individuals that were far above anybody telling them what to do. And, they, and they're doing well. All four of my kids, you know, not one of them a crack hoe. Okay, so I'm just going, yay, I win. So the thing is, we suffered a lot. We, we really, uh, you know, we go to a lot of luxuries and goodies, you know, to have them in the schools that we wanted and the private school this and doing one and giving them opportunities and just kept investing in them because it was a selfish thing. I didn't want to have to be worrying about crap now. I could enjoy my grandkids. I didn't have to parent my grandchildren because my kids were brought up to be good parents. You know what? You know what? What a concept! Everybody's like, "Oh, you're so lucky. Your kids like what? You think it was that it happened all by itself? <laughs> you know, seriously? You know?" So I'm. So this is a, the same thing that you're talking about, Stefan. Is this emphasis on being good human beings in the future? But I want to. I want to ask you. You know, um, what does that entail? I mean, you know, you, you talked about it a little bit in raising your daughter, but I mean, we need to have a an entire planet. 
a generation next that is not dependent on fill in the blank, and that is what? I mean, give me a definition of where humanity is evolving to and you would emphasize and encourage and work towards. What are you hoping to accomplish? Well, there is a great devil in the world, and the, the greatest devil in the world is the devil that says, oh, you've got these wonderful, lovely, juicy principles, non-aggression principle, respect for property rights. Fantastic. Do you know where we need to apply those principles? To the Federal Reserve, to U.S. foreign policy, to the overprinting of the euro, to the regulations in Ireland, to all the things that you can never do a damn thing about. That is the greatest devil. The moment it smells someone in the world who actually has rational, moral, decent principles, it tempts them with politics. It tempts them with economics. It tempts them with abstractions and history and future and global-spanning, whack-jobbery, do-nothing nonsense. And what it, it, it does that to distract you from your own life, to distract you from your own life so that you don't ever really think about implementing your values where you live, but you throw them like, like uh, arrows over a wall into a canyon to nowhere. You spend all your energy on that which you cannot change, and you ignore that which you can change. And my focus is always fighting that demon, fighting that demon with everything I've got, saying, great, have these values, great, learn about the Federal Reserve, great, learn about fiat currency and the gold standard, wonderful. Read your Hayek, read your Rothbard, read your Mises, wonderful. That's great, and it means nothing in terms of actually changing the world because you can't do anything about it directly. If you're into the non-aggression principle, then you need to take your head out of the clouds and put it where you live, which is your relationships with your parents, with your friends, with your siblings, with your children. Then you, you, um, you put the non-aggression principle into place in your personal relationships. You do not aggress against those you love. You do not yell at or hit your children. You do not yell at or hit people. You don't intimidate. You apply the non-aggression principle, right? Libertarians should have a very, very rousing debate about whether spanking violates the non-aggression principle. We all get that taxation violates the non-aggression principle. There's very few people in the libertarian movement who would fight that tooth and nail. Why haven't we been talking about spanking? Because there's this devil who takes you and your values and dumps them into the stratosphere of never going to achieve anything argle-bargle nonsense. And so what I, and again, I don't mean that the fiat currency is nonsense. It's all important stuff to study. But what we need to do as a community is say, where can we put these values into practice? And this is why I think I appeal to people, because I'm saying, hey, philosophy is something you can put your boots into and walk with. It's not some airy thing that you can only read about or imagine about or blog about or talk about. You can actually do it. And I think as a community, we need to have this conversation. If we have that conversation about how we raise our kids according to the values that we believe in and espouse, what amazing children we're going to have. What an amazing advertisement to the freedom philosophy to have children who are smart and free and confident and successful as yours are, as I hope mine will be. That, I think, is the most compelling empirical proof of the value of what we're doing because we, can, we don't have any empirical proof for the value of what we're doing. Nobody's ever seen a free society before, and every time we talk about a free society, we're talking about medieval Iceland or Ireland and oh, Somalia. It's like, oh, my God, <laughs> I don't want to talk about that stuff because everybody's got their preconceptions about all of that. But we can live our values in our life, and we can have great marriages. We can have great relationships we can have with our kids and with our own parents, but we do have to bring the non-aggression principle into play in our own lives. That's really my focus, and that is the only way that I know we can build a firm foundation for the freedom of the future. You know, the one thing that I, I, I really come up against a lot is the idea that uh, where has it ever been where you've had to blah, 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 as if, you know, humanity can't evolve as we always have been towards more leave-me-aloneism. 
I mean, that's what, you know, America was really all about. It was the promise. I mean, even though they violate the promise, you know, you don't have a candidate come up and say, we're going to take away more of your freedom and we're going to, well, yeah, they kind of do, you know, but the, uh, uh, it's always going to make you safer, but they, there's always a promise, oh, freedom, it's us versus them. You know, we're, we're going to provide more opportunity for them. We're going to, but they never give, you know, it's like uh, the new book by Charles Goyette, Red and Blue and Broke All Over. I love that book because it's like freedom's the answer. What's the question, but it, you know, why is freedom the answer? Why? Why does it produce more prosperity? Why does it produce more people? Why does it, you know, why, why, why? Well, he answers it in that. And so I really enjoyed that about that book. But the point is, is that I, I can see what they need to do. I, I, this was my first real main realization as I, you know, on my path to being Stefan Molyneux was I'm going, you know, I can see what they need to do. They need to eliminate your imagination they put you in public schools they beat you over the head with whatever propaganda and they need to keep you from even imagining anything different here's our system this is how you manipulate the system this is how you be part of the system this is how you benefit from the system but it's all about the system and there's no central plan for freedom and, and, and anytime they try and put you on that reservation that's where you start having the problem and you're stripped of even imagining something different so they want to get you at three years old you don't even have the opportunity to imagine at four so i'm going okay if we can imply that's why you don't know that there's you know private space stations in or you don't know that elon musk has taken spacex to go do a, a base on mars you don't know that there's all kinds of new energy things coming you don't know that the price of uh solar has gone down to less than a dollar a while you don't know that you don't know unless you go to freedom's phoenix but this is i'm going they need to suck out of humanity the imagination of anything different mm. this is the power of people like you is where you're going, hey, let me let me give you some imagination of what can be and how it's going to happen. Then you do it. And then we start to change. And it's happening all over the world. That's what the big bad guys are. Now, i got to tell you this real quick before the end of the show. There was a, you know, we're doing the dime card thing, and that's doing really well. Oh, you should do that. We need to get a Stephen Molyneux dime card. I'm telling you, that's we got the next one coming out. It's going to be thousands and thousands of the Daily Paul thing and whatever. But it got picked up by a group in France that they're doing a uh, silver franc. Well, this group, they just had a big campaign. You know, they elected the new president of France or whatever. During that, they had a Frederick, it was a Bastiat 2012 campaign. So like our Ron Paul, <laughs> they were running Fred Bastiat, you know, for uh, Frederick Bastiat for uh, president in 2012. And this is how they're freeing minds back there. Wow. Yeah, I, I would support uh, a corpse for candidacy. Uh, I, I think that would be a fine. I, I wouldn't mind being ruled by a, a bag of bones or ashes. Uh, I think that would be fine. Well, they were using it as, you know, you know the philosophy. Yeah. You know, what French character could they use? You know, I thought that was a cool iron did. Well, I'll let you have the last word, Stephen. Go ahead and promote your sites and how they can get a hold of your goodies, man. Sure. It's uh, freedomainradio.com. Uh, it's all free, commercial free. Come get your books. Uh, stuff your face in the buffet of philosophy. And I hope to hear you on the Sunday show, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Sunday show. Say it again. What time? It's on LRN.FM? It no, it's, uh, it's on my website. It's at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard. All right. 2 p.m. Eastern Standard. And I know uh, you're, you're welcome news all over the country, and we've been really pushing this, trying to make sure that you're exposed to Generation Next that are in school. Because I'm just like, you know, I don't have time to be doing all you know, I said, you know what? Go over to freedomainradio.com and, uh, you know, get infected. <laughs> <laughs>
It's the injection of the libertarian infection into the bone marrow of American Generation Next. Take- 